Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. I'm always watching you. I'm building into the water. And I'm just going under. And it uses the temperature higher. Cause I'm burning up, burning up for you, baby. Uh, Jonas Brothers was a bop, an underrated bop. Bop. Who's your the favorite epitome, Jonas? The epitome of American culture was the Jonas Brothers. They were the new Walt Disney. Who's your favorite? They were the new Steve Jobs. They are geniuses reincarnated as modern Jesuses. Who's your favorite Jonas brother? All of them. All right, smash. Oh, are you crazy? You want to be crazy? No I'll show you crazy. You I don't know about these other guys, but we are like a superhero. No? We're like, we're not crazy. Everybody knows you never go full retard. Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. Read a fucking book for one. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. Picasso is dead. Walt Disney is dead. I'm dead. Steve Jobs is dead. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Welcome to the Mentally Gone Podcast. <laughs> My name is Gabriella Lopes. Welcome back to the Mentally Gone Podcast. I'm here with my co-host. Co-host. My co-host. He's a host, and, but not a host. And significantly less important um, partner on this show. All of that is true. Uh, my name is Gabriella Lopes. <laughs> and I am everything that was just described. <laughs> no. What's up, guys? My name is Callie Lacerda, and I'm... welcome back to another episode of Mentally Gone Podcast, episode number 26. Did you know that? 26, right? Two times six is what? Eight. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's how you know you're in the right place, guys. So if you were wondering, am I on the Mentally Gone podcast right now? All all of what you just heard this last minute and a half is is proof that we're on the Mentally Gone podcast right now. Yes. And that was an authentic answer. I think she was being genuine, by the way. We did not plan this beforehand. And I am now having second thoughts about who I'm in a relationship with and the monster that's sitting across the table. <laughs> two six eight. Uh, I just two, really like two, six. that's why we're podcasters we did not amount to anything in school we are not at Goldman Sachs uh, we are not attorneys at law no, like the Hulk but but on, on a serious <laughs> note though I did better on my math portion of the SATs than I did the English portion uh, I didn't even do SATs and what a relief that was huh yeah I think I got for everybody out there who's interested I think I got like a 12 50 something or 1300 yeah nobody's interested not too shabby <laughs> nobody gives a shit dude That's um pretty. yeah f-, f school i don't want to use the f word the big potty <laughs> mouth word uh too early in because youtube you know mommy youtube is gonna is gonna put us some time out um all right so you want to jump into the first topic that mm-hmm. i found interesting hi let's go you want to do that yeah don't do that there why you gonna do that there Make the dick disappear. How she do (laughs) that there? (laughs) Something like that. Yes. Um, How many of you listening to this right now, and I bet most, if not all of you, recognize Sam from iCarly, correct? Yeah, Sam Puckett or Bucket. Which, by the way, iCarly, the whole concept of that show was so ahead of its time because I think that that was 
right at the peak, like right at the start of YouTube. And they were already kind of orchestrating this whole show that they were conducting in their house with professional grade cameras. Production was on fleek because of um, what's his name? Eddie, 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 Freddie, Freddie. Freddie what? Grayson? Greg? Freddie Benson. Benson, right? So Freddie Benson was like the young Jamie and Carly <laughs> and Sam were like both Joe Rogan's and stuff. Yeah, they were they were starting basically. a podcast. That that was basically like a podcast with like different um different um segments, segments right? Segments, like, yeah. Like segments they would do other the creative word. segments. So so they understood how to capture the young audience's attention, doing crazy outlandish stuff. Very interesting, like very ahead of its time. But that's not why I want to bring that up. I'm bringing it up because Jeanette McCurdy, who played Sam in iCarly, recently released a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died. What? And it's literally her posing and smiling and holding her mom's urn that seems to be filled with like confetti, I guess. And it's a great cover, right? But it's a memoir explaining her experience within that industry as a child star Mm -hmm. and how she was abused by her mother from a very young age. She started acting at six years old, I think. And her mom was living vicariously through her to a point where it was verified and proven because her mom told her. She said that if I hadn't married your dad i would have been well off and would have been famous or something like that Mm. which so basically saying that like like her decisions past decisions resulted in the current stagnant lifestyle that she had and so she's going to live vicariously through her daughter fun fact too the the believed to be biological father leading up until her like young adulthood who she thought was her biological father wasn't her biological father and she only found out after the fact too so then she remet with her father and apparently her mom had an affair and that's who her real father was and then they kind of like reconnected and met but that's a whole different story my point is that her mom abused her as a child putting her through the whole hollywood system basically as as desperate as you could be as an actor but times a thousand Mm. because it wasn't falling on her so she was just the manager of jeanette And so she just volunteered her daughter for all these roles. Her daughter would have to ask for permission to go use the bathroom. And then her mom would shut her down and saying that it's very unprofessional. And then so she would associate having to go to the bathroom as like a traumatic experience. And she would cry every time she would have to use the bathroom. Her mom would do routine checkups in her private parts to check for lumps and possible cancer. And and she would say that it was like weekly. Um front butt and back butt checkups Wow! when she was like six mm. or eight and it has to do with the fact that her mom also had cancer her whole life and she died of cancer and so she was fighting cancer for like decades and so maybe that's like a fear that she doesn't want her daughter to like go through and that's kind of understandable but it's just weird. It's like violating. Violating a child at that age. And then and then she would say that she would like disassociate during the experience and be very relieved after it happened and like after it was over. And she developed um, eating um, disorder disorders as well. Sorry, guys. She she also developed like various eating disorders because her mom would al- always say that she was fat and that mm. and that she had to like maintain a certain physique for Hollywood so that she would be accepted as an actress. Um, it gets even weirder when you consider the fact that Nickelodeon has this weird obsession with feet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Yeah, have I've you? noticed that. Dan Schneider, right? Dan Schneider is his name. 
Dan Snyder, who recently parted ways from Nickelodeon, claiming that there's no bad blood and that it was like mutual agreement and mutual choice and that everybody's happy, which is BS, right? Mm -hmm. He was dismissed from Nickelodeon. And it coincided with the time that Drake Bell got the whole allegations of like being a child abuser. Mm. And I feel, I feel, and I may be wrong, but I feel like Drake Bell was trying to uncover and unearth certain truths about what was happening in Nickelodeon. And this is the conspiracy is that Nickelodeon then architected because they're all in bed with the government and like everybody's kind of involved and it's all like intertwined and they all work together then everything happened to him where it was kind of like his consequences. Like you don't speak out against us. Mm. Otherwise bad things will happen to you. And I say this because Jeanette, AKA Sam got offered $300,000 after she parted away from Nickelodeon to not address anything that happened inside of Nickelodeon publicly. $300,000, $300,000. And she denied it, declined it. She said that, in it, her first kiss was on camera with Freddie. Mm-hmm. And she said she was so uncomfortable because I think she comes from like a Mormon background or something like that, like a hyper religious background. Wow. And so she didn't like 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 she resented the fact that she was being depicted as as a sensual object, mm-hmm. as a sensual being, she says. And during her first kiss, Dan Schneider Mm-hmm. appeared on set to direct that specific episode and he kept giving her cues on what to do like oh sam like or, or oh Jeanette, i need you to do more head movement during the kiss i need you to do whatever he would not direct the whole show right but then like during these specific episodes he was on set directing it mm. and during the feet parts where uh stars throughout like various nickelodeon shows like they would expose their feet and do weird stuff to it like um squirt ketchup on top of it or slime, draw like faces on the toes and suck stuff. their own toes mm. ariana grande wow. sucked her own toes on camera and did a whole segment where she's in bed being like a child and then doing these things with her feet and apparently dan snyder was always on set to direct these specific episodes Mm. and then later nickelodeon offers three hundred thousand dollars of hush money to these actors and to these child stars so that they don't say and spill the beans about anything in public and i think that's what drake bell did and now he's in court and now he's suffering all this backlash i don't know I think everything's like architected in a certain way where you don't speak up against us. Mm-hmm. We gave you this. We are your gods. If you speak up against us, we will punish you. That's really interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it's it's way different with, like, Tarantino, who also has, like, a foot fetish. But, like, him, for example, like, he's obviously directing movies where, like, feet are on display and stuff. But these are all, like, grown yeah. adults who, like... Who maybe even understand and maybe it's like kind of consensual where it's like, oh, yeah, you like my feet, Tarantino, mm-hmm. you know, the girls probably get off on like showing him their feet, yeah. whatever. Like he's a big fucking director. I mean, why not? You know, <laughs> and I think he's been open about it, too. Like right. He's just said like, oh, like it's whatever, you know, but it's way different when it comes to like a child industry of act like the industry right. of children actors it's like and specifically having like, kids yeah, do that it's like know? a certain line that you just don't cross and i was noticing like as iCarly was progressing like they were getting like iCarly to have boyfriends and like mm-hmm. make out with them and like it was getting a little bit more like 
like mature for you know the type of show that it is i guess and what's interesting too is that right before dan snyder got dismissed from nickelodeon they restricted his access on set specifically during these more touchy and more intimate scenes between cast members Mm. and between the actors they would have him sit in a in a remote screening room where he could watch, but he can't be near the actors and the stars. That's so weird. And when he was near them, there like there are are photos of like actors and like actresses having him behind them, massaging their shoulders and stuff, and just giving them cues on like how to be more more this and like oh like in this scene I need you to kiss him with more passion yeah you 14 year old girl you Mm -hmm. 15 year old girl i need you to move your head around a little bit because that's how we adults do it that makes me so uncomfortable nickelodeon also has a logo of a feet i've seen the foot the orange foot right like what's going on dude interesting it's really weird and when confronted all dan snyder said was Oh no no I like I would never sexualize uh, kids or whatever. It's uh, yeah, I don't it's buy because into that. kids uh, find feet goofy and funny, and we just use it for comedic purposes. Like really, dude? Just say you have a fucking fetish really, and go. Well, he can't go into an alley that's like <laughs> up your alley, dude. Not with like kid actors. Like, yeah. anyways, something interesting about Jeanette McCurdy before we like end up getting off of the topic is. She actually hated the role of Sam right. in iCarly. She did not relate to that role at all. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is she played the role so well. But I feel like I, I remember like watching interviews or like reading up that she just that she like had to overdo it. And then there were times where she like expressed, you know, like maybe wanting to change or or like be done with the, you know, iCarly thing and she just you know it just never worked out for her where it was like a seamless like exit and then she ended up doing like Sam and Cat you know which is the one that she said that yeah. was the worst experience see so it's like because they only did one season for it did you know that she was on Zoe 101 before going on iCarly you you told me about that once, she was she was the girl me. that was like chewing like bubble gum yeah. in one episode and she like had an interest in zoe's yeah. little brother which is super weird too because in in that episode like she was like super like hypersexualized too yeah like she was like chewing bubble gum and like blowing it you know and mm-hmm. like that's something that you just that you just like compare to like a woman trying to catch a man's attention or something for example exactly and then you put yeah. that in a discussion between kids which if you've ever seen two kids discussing anything like they talk like kids yeah it's not this grown language that all of a sudden they've been blessed with understanding you know fully like these like sexual innuendos and everything it's super super weird and strange yeah i'm not i just don't and and i feel like like i don't know nickelodeon has always been weird with like the subtle sexual innuendo in in innuendos Mm -hmm. like even with spongebob like stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like yeah. they get away with, you know, oh, SpongeBob putting, is a putting, whole putting series a lot of, podcasts of yeah, right there. like putting a lot of things, little underlying messages, which is like fun for adults, but it's like, yeah, 
where do you draw the line sometimes? SpongeBob's brilliance, in my opinion, was that they've managed to create this um, family guy, Rick and Morty-esque concept or throw a lot of these concepts that you'll see in these like more mature shows, but dress it up in a cartoony kid vibe Mm -hmm. so that it gets to a point where it's so hidden or hidden enough where it only accesses your subconscious and consciously you're not picking up on anything. But there's a lot of like little little weird stuff that happened in sponge in spongebob 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 in oh my god in spongebob that we don't pick up on yeah i've only picked up on a lot of a lot of stuff like re-watching you know like things yeah. i didn't catch on as the adult. first time yeah as an adult um but anyways yeah, yeah. um feet fetish i don't like feet at all mm. it's not my ting yeah, I've never understood, like, what's the reasoning behind <laughs> feet fetishes and stuff. It's just weird. But speaking of weird, we we both recently saw that Doja Cat shaved her head, it seems, right? Yes. Or at least, I don't know if she shaved her head, but it seems like she's just not wearing wigs anymore. Like, she was always wearing wigs, apparently. She She had hair underneath her wigs, and I think she wore wigs for, like, a very long time right. now. But I think... She did have hair before, but now she's shaved, like she's just completely taken the hair off. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think part, well, just really quick, because maybe it's like tedious also to have like all of that natural yeah. hair when you're and wearing like, wigs. So, and, and like take care of it, especially if you're a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was like part of it, which I think I read her say that she never wore her like natural hair out. So she just felt. like it it was just time for it to go what do you think about the idea of celebrities shaving uh like these these very fundamental parts of their bodies like what do you think about the idea of celebrities very similar to like britney spears for example britney spears shaved her head Mm -hmm. and that was right before her untimely downfall Mm -hmm. right she you actually during that time she w- she had just gotten out of a rehabilitation see? center yeah. and her husband was refusing access for her to see her kids isn't that wild yeah yeah the whole britney spears case is super wild super crazy like they've like they kept that lady sedated mm-hmm. they kept her on drugs medicated and trapped like she would create those like dancing videos where you could tell that her eyes were like begging for help but she can't say anything cuz Something might happen to her kids. Who there, knows? There was one video where she had like a hat even that that like quickly underneath the hat said like help me or something. Yeah, dude. Super crazy. That's super wild. But but something interesting about Britney Spears really quick is that people will say it was like a mental outburst. Like it was like right, because it's mental breakdown. It yeah. Right. But other people who try to look at it maybe a little bit differently can see it as like a rebellion because every part of her life was being controlled right she had no freedom and so the one way that she can like rebel against like the what did you what do you call it that she was like under the um, uh conservatives uh, conservatorship conservatorship yeah conservatorship the one way that she can rebel is just like completely like fuck up quote-unquote her image her brand yeah by shaving her head yeah the blonde britney spear is gone with a bald head you know what if you think like what if these celebrities that all kind of 
begin rebelling against the deep state or the Illuminati or the Masonic regime or whatever it is, like Kanye West, Britney Spears, Doja Cat right now, what if they go into this rehabilitation, which is what we, the public, receive as news, right? It's like, oh, like he's being re- rehabilitated. Kanye West is off the like off his rockers. Like he's crazy. He's off his meds. He's going crazy, whatever. What if these celebrities, right, they go into in like a a mind control CIA MK Ultra facility where they like do reprogramming and kind of like brainwash them into forgetting everything that they were, but then it gets to a point where for some people they just like start remembering. Mm. It's like, oh my God, like I'm a puppet. Like I'm freaking out. Like this is all happening to me. I am not happening to my life. And then that's when people like their their handlers, right? I I think that the Kardashians were handlers for Kanye. I think that uh, Pete Davidson is a handler for the Kardashians. I think that there's always like somebody that's directly connected to this broader system that keeps an eye on them, a close eye, a close watch to see if like if they'll break, if they slip up. So they all have like these tasks, right? Mm-hmm. So my question is, what if that's what's happening to Doja? Because she's expressed that she doesn't like like she wants to quit music, like like she doesn't want to perform anymore. What if it just hit her all of a sudden that oh my god, like I am a Masonic puppet. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of this machine. I am being used to promote this ideology and this agenda, and I want out. And now she's freaking out. And maybe these signs are all for us public to kind of piece together. Just like the whole Britney Spears thing where she was like crying out for help in her videos while being under the conservatorship thing, mm-hmm. right? So like what if that's the case? It's just like giving us little hints of like, hey, I am shaving my head because it's less work, guys. Help me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like help. I shaved my eyebrows because I don't like hair. I've never liked hair as a child. Help me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know? That could be... Oh, that gives me anxiety because then Kanye always paints his hair, shaves his head, and yeah, shaves his eyebrows. Yeah, he shaved his eyebrows too. Right, and it's all this like huh. shaving. It's like it's not for them; it's for the public. Yeah, it's to give a message. But the question then becomes, what's the message? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you knew this, but in ancient Egypt, they would shave their eyebrows whenever they were, uh, when whenever their cats died. And they would mourn the death of their cats until their eyebrows fully came back. Really? Yeah. So mourning is the hint here. It's like when they shave their eyebrows, are they mourning the death of who they once were or who they truly are? Are they trying to like get us to help them? Mm. It's like, guys, you know. That's really interesting. And she's still making music. Right. Right after she announced that she wouldn't make music anymore, she just came out with a collab like a week with or two. With Post Malone, right? Right. That's really strange. Yeah. Did you, you said you had something to say about her music video because you started. Yes. What did you have to say? I Which started music it? video? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I think I heard you start. All right. So I took some notes because I want to be sure that I get this right. Because it's a lot to it's it's a lot to unpack here. Have you ever heard of her music video that's called "You Write" featuring The Weeknd? You've probably heard the song, and everybody watching and listening to this, if probably. you're on TikTok, if you're on the internet, you've heard the song. People are saying there's a conspiracy theory about most of Doja Cat's music videos, but this one specifically is depicting a Masonic ritual. It opens, literally, the opening scene of this music video is the gates to heaven opening with a Libra sign, right? And they're playing off of, like, 
zodiac signs mm. or whatever to kind of like throw the public off of their scent, you know? And then you you literally travel through heaven that's depicted in this like ancient Greek slash ancient Egyptian um, architecture and just structure and just like characteristics, right? Which is very uncharacteristic of the typical Catholic and Christian heaven. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you see Doja Cat kind of standing right in the middle of the checkered masonic floors which represent duality and she is supposed to be symbolizing this um ancient egyptian goddess called bastet who had a female human body and a cat head and this female body and this god was worshipped and known for um i think it's uh what 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 was she known for oh she was the goddess of pleasure, uh, home security or something like that, childbirth or whatever mm. it was, right? But she was very uh, celebrated in ancient Egypt. And they would throw like massive festivals for this specific cat goddess. And so people are now saying that the ancient Egyptian gods were nothing more than fallen angels or demons that once ruled this earth. Mm. And that even the government now is trying to like normalize the idea of aliens because these aliens, when they do come, we won't be as startled because we've been conditioned to understand them as like ultra advanced civilizations. But in reality, these are just the entities, the evil, dark entities that the one percent, the rulers of this world communicate on the daily. And where was I gonna get? it's it's a lot to uncover. But okay, so Doja Cat is just standing right in the middle of this checkered Masonic board that represents duality. She's being represented as the ancient Egyptian goddess, cat goddess, Bastet, right? It's um, half like female human body and a cat head. And then there are these scales behind her, which again, they tell us is to represent Libras. But Mm. in reality, it's weighing a heart, a, a, a beating human heart, which is representative of the soul. And on the other side, gold. So what people are saying that this video is basically conveying to the public that that her allegiance to the Masonic order has been has been fully fulfilled. Mm. And she's slowly like scaling the Masonic levels because there are 33 Masonic levels. I don't know if you know that. I don't really know much about Masonic anything. Right. So she basically sold her soul for gold. And then the weekend this is where it gets interesting. The weekend is portrayed as being the the broader universe slash cosmos slash God, because in theory, according to this theory, the weekend has already achieved master Mason level 33 of the Masonic Lodge. So he became his own God. And that's the goal in Masonry is to do what thou wilt, hmm. you know, and Doja Cat in this specific album that this single in this video came out. She's often like doing the um, Baphomet pose, which is as above, so below, mm-hmm. which is essentially this idea that you can create your own heaven on earth without the judgment of God. And there has to be a reasoning behind like using all these poses, right? Like it's not just coincidental. It's like and, and most of her music videos all have like these these deeper satanic slash Masonic symbolism. And I've heard that <laughs> a lot of her music videos have a lot of like ancient egyptian references too which is interesting yeah huh that's crazy and do you want to hear one more yeah right before okay so wait guys i i, I took notes because it's a lot to like digest and i kind of butchered it but that's okay 
Um, if you guys want to watch the full video, just go on YouTube and type "You Right" featuring the weekend. It's, it's Doja Cat's video, and you'll see everything I just said. Um, okay, wait, just give me a second. That's all good. All right, another one, right? Another one. Another one. DJ Khaled, another one. Um, wh what did you guys think about the new Drake and Lil Baby song featuring DJ Khaled? I haven't even heard it yet. Produced by DJ Khaled, which yeah, whatever. DJ Khaled, um, we the best music. We the best. Yeah. So you know Doja Cat's song "Kiss Me More" featuring SZA, right? Mm-hmm. It went viral yeah, on TikTok, and you big, couldn't get away from it. Big song for sure. Right in this video, this video is curious because one thing that blew my mind was discovering the fact that. The poem, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. dream. That's a Masonic poem. Really? Yes. And it has deep roots within the Masonic order. And, uh, and apparently one Mason came out and basically spoke on it and said that this is a a poem that basically represents the idea of like, of um like scaling through life right but then like it's kind of hard to explain but uh, essentially it's it, like it's used by the masonic order and what else did he say if you guys google row row row, row your boat masonry like you'll see exactly what it talks about but essentially in this music video kiss me more with doja cat and SZA. It shows an astronaut that crash landed on this alien planet and he's now lost and he has to find a way back or he doesn't even know where he's going because it like the whole video doesn't make sense. But this astronaut finds a boat and he finds this stream, this river. Right. Mm. And he hops on this boat and he starts rowing. And there's a clear path of where this river leads. But while he's rowing his boat, he gets distracted by Doja Cat who's depicted as being like this giant compared to him on the sidelines. Mm. And people are saying that she's supposed to represent a siren, which is like a mermaid that would distract and, and kind of like guide and kind of manipulate sailors right. to fall in the water so that they could be devoured and killed. Like a seductress. Seductress, right. So she's like, so he like, like stops rowing essentially. And then he gets distracted by her. And then a lot of weird shit happens in this one where at the end of this river, he ultimately gets consumed by these female lips and falls into it. And then it cuts to a scene where SZA and Doja Cat are on the couch playing a game, the game of life, controlling that same boat with the guy on it in the video game. And then behind them, there are basically jars filled with liquid with many human bodies of men just like what? surrounding them so basically symbolizing like hey like we like we control you and then it zooms in on this ps5 controller stating that hey like we are in control like we control you what? and people just like overlooked it completely and so that's another great example of her being a masonic puppet whose only value and whose only goal in this industry and and the reason why she was placed in this industry was to distort and contaminate the female values and morals so that they could better align with the Masonic agenda. That's what mm. people are saying. That's really, that's really crazy. Yeah. I actually have, like, I have um, a little Reddit conspiracy that someone wrote. That's not really a conspiracy, but it's kind of like their, 
there are like strange and unusual thoughts about Doja Cat, yep. and it and it kind of aligns with what you just said. And I'll I'll just read it really quick, but. It says right here, recent conspiracy posts have been cycling on and on and on about the, uh, well, I don't know if I could say this part in in TikTok clips or whatever, but about the war in Ukraine or COVID, but fail to see that these are a smokescreen for the arrival of the temptress known as Doja Cat. Doja Cat appeared in 2018, which is when the pan, like, when the virus appeared i don't want to keep saying the c word on here i think pandemic is a safer word yeah but i feel like pandemic really happened in 2020 but yeah pandemic yeah oh yeah we'll go pandemic but anyways when when the pandemic appeared in 2018 music videos her music videos have imagery that includes but is not limited to ancient egypt mind control of the male sex eternal life and imprisonment aliens and gods and devils Mm. and then this guy goes on to say i find myself unable to control myself when i see her attractive body i cannot do anything but stare in awe of her her voice is like soothing honey wrapped in a warm blanket i sink deeper and deeper into the worlds she creates through her words she is the definition of a seductress um devil reincarnated on earth as the beginning to the end luring us into temptation or she is the product of a lab that mixed perfect genes together for the purpose of pacifying the masses thus forgetting the fight for freedom of our minds so doja cat what are you trying to pull out here that's a lot who really are you (laughs) that's a lot that's a lot (laughs) That's a and, loaded thing, huh? And people have <laughs> said that they kind of remind, like, she kind of reminds them of, like, an alien, too. An alien? Yeah. Yeah, and that's another conspiracy theory, is that Doja Cat is often depicted in her music videos as an alien being, She's... which is normalizing the idea of aliens coming to visit us eventually. And then the Pentagon, who announced that UFOs are real, it's just all weird, you know? Like, what if they're preparing us for the visit of something else? Something that the 1% elite have been in constant communications with and that helps them source their powers so that they can dominate the world. And what if the 1%, the Rockefellers and the freaking, you know, like the the big boys are all just puppets of these, like, entities that don't have our best interests in mind? And so Doja Cat is just normalizing the idea, like, oh, I'm just an alien. It's just mm-hmm. fun. But what if they're actually like demonic forces, like evil entities? I hate to say demonic because it implies Catholicism. But what if it's just like evil entity, like evil energy? Demonic could just mean like very, very <laughs> overcome by darkness evil. and evil. Right. It's evil. like evil. <laughs> There's evil afoot. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that that's um, that's pretty loaded, huh? That's pretty loaded, dude. That's loaded. Loaded potatoes. Yeah, I kind of like those. Those are good. No, loaded potatoes. <laughs> I'm like, what do you like? Yeah. Um, but before we get off of the whole like um, head shaving business, because I just found it interesting. She did put out a video explaining why she shaved her head. And that was part of it. Like, oh, I never wear my natural hair yeah. out. I've always <laughs> worn wigs. So I figured, you know. And what's interesting is a lot of people during the pandemic started shaving their heads. Right. And it was like a sign of like solidarity. 
Right. It was either like a sign of solidarity from being like isolated for so long. And for some people, it was like they felt so restricted in their form of expression that that this was their way of like of like being creative or or having this like very outwardly form of expression by completely shaving their head. Wow. I guess. Maybe. And it's interesting because it it <coughs> it takes us into the conversation of just um how how differently the message is received in different cultures when you talk about like shaved heads. Mm-hmm. Right. So in like certain settings, shaving your head is to restrict your individuality and restrict your identity. Yeah. So in the military, right, in like prison, prison. Stuff, yeah. It you know, like they give you a buzz cut because it like they don't want individuality like they like they don't want your personality to shine through. It's a sign of conformity. It's conformity, like right. uniform. Yeah. Like they want you uniform. And then when you look at Buddhist culture, mm-hmm. they they do that to kind of um extinguish vanity mm-hmm. so it's like the ego anything that has to do or ties back to the ego you eliminate any resemblance any reminder of your ego you eliminate so mm. that's why they shave their heads and they're all bald and so we're all one with the universe and that's the whole idea too it's like unity in spirit and not in body and you know. and physical yeah yeah It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And something else, too, is that you can look at, like, shaving head as, like, a form of shedding, like, energy. Because I feel like hair carries—sorry, I actually—I just scratched my nose. I feel like hair carries um, weight with us, like, throughout—stop making myself cry because I just poked myself. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. She's uh, she gets very emotional when we no. talk about hair. Yeah, I, oh my gosh, forget about it. I'm so sensitive about my hair. But that's my point is like hair carries like weight. It carries like, there's like an importance to our hair, which is like, which is like vain to say, you know, but people who understand, understand. It's like, and I think everybody understands it it carries weight. It carries energy. I feel even, you know, like when, whenever you're. I don't know, this might be a stretch, but like whenever your hair health is good, it seems like you're good, if that makes sense. And then when and then people who shave their heads, for example, that could just be a way of like completely shedding bad energy. Right. It's like completely ridding themselves of the energy and the weight that they feel their hair is carrying. And do you think that that ties into the whole idea of like, oh, um, like. I don't know if you've ever read, but witches back then, like, they would make potions and, like, spells. And then they would always say, like, in one strand of her hair or whatever. And then throw it in the pot. I think hair is very charged emotionally and spiritually and energetically wise. Mm -hmm. Energetically wise. and, and, And energetically. I think that there's, like, a lot to it where... I don't know. Like, if you're going to do a DNA test, you usually get a strand of your hair. So, like, a lot 
goes into each follicle of hair that maybe we're not aware of, or maybe our whole DNA structure is prop is definitely in it. I think. And what's funny is hair is just dead cells, right? right. And so are nails. Yeah. But those are like the two things that <clears throat> girls upkeep the most, you know? Mm-hmm. It's their hair and their nails. Right. Super interesting, though. It's interesting. Yeah. I feel like this is so off topic, but I'm so sensitive about my hair. If I mess it up, if there's something wrong with it, like, forget it. Like, it's the it's the end of the world, the absolute end of the world for me. And so, like, I give so much credit to people who rock a bald head you know mm-hmm. because i could never i'm like yeah. i just uh it's it's sad to say but i'm like strangely obsessed with like my hair and making sure that it looks good or like um you know the like when i mess it up it like mm-hmm. it, <laughs> yeah. it's a stretch but like you feel that way no i yeah i was about to say that that my version of that which uh people who watch this podcast specifically like you guys probably noticed that i'm always wearing a hat yeah (laughs) and i just wanted to quickly address that on the show and since we're on this topic it's like to me that's the same buddhist ideal that i mentioned earlier and i'm not saying that i'm a buddhist or anything along those lines but i do value a lot of their values but it's sort of like stripping myself of any vanity or any reminder of self in order to fully devote myself to the conversation and so with guests with you uh with anything i create that i want the world to see or any vessel that I use to communicate with the world, I try my best to extinguish any reminder of vanity. So I'll wear hoodies so that I don't have to worry about how my arms look or or all those like vain characteristics and thoughts that that uh, men specifically, right? Because I'm a man and I identify as a man uh, that men have and like constantly think about. It's like, oh, like, am I uh, jacked in this? Or like, do my biceps look what good? Or is my hair combed right? Is my beard on fleek? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to worry about that because to me, like none of that matters. Mm. You know, like what matters is what I'm regurgitating. It's what I'm expelling here you know like it's like what i'm telling and just giving on the table so like that's my reasoning why um i do have hair and <laughs> yeah. i just don't like to yeah just like think about it at all because yeah. y- you know and especially growing up in like high school like i would think about my hair a lot mm-hmm. like i would always like try to figure out the perfect pomade the perfect gel um, I would get super obsessed to a point where I would excuse myself from class every 20 minutes if I felt kind of like paranoid about like, oh, like I I took a lunch break and it was raining and and I don't know how I look right now. So I'm like, whatever. So I was very vainful growing up. Mm-hmm. And that stems from my insecurity about who I was as a person. I wasn't confident in who I was. And I, I'm still not fully confident and I don't think anybody ever truly is fully confident and 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 anybody who tells you that is a liar um i think that you can work towards that though and there are routes to take you know so like that's my route right so so really quick on my opposing end is uh, like i'm someone too that i'm i'm learning not to like be too self-conscious about how i look on camera but obviously i do like i put on makeup i fix my hair as best as i can and you know whatever and I don't, I don't usually, like, I never wear, like, baggy t-shirts, which is what I wear every single day. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like part of that is also, it's like a, it's like a, a me thing, you know? Like, it, sure, I care about how other people will see me, you know, if I feel like I look ugly. Because, 
again, it's like it's like that insecurity thing, which I know I am like more towards an insecure person versus being like this very sure of themselves and confident person. But I feel like also when I feel like I look good, it it just automatically boosts my mood. It's like when I've put this like care into myself, which again, it sounds very vain, but it's like it, it automatically puts me in like a different headspace like making myself look presentable versus just like showing up and you know not really putting any effort i feel like that would reflect on how i treat this thing that i'm doing and that goes for like even the gym like if i don't feel like i i'm i'm looking good or like i don't feel good about myself that day and how i look then it's going to reflect on the workout that i have as well it's like because that's just going to be nagging at my head very important yeah yeah, confidence is very exceptionally important. Hopefully, one day you guys will see me on here, just like bare, you know. No which makeup, I think, chilling with I'm, no makeup yeah, on. I'm cute without makeup. It's just I feel like the camera makes me look so a little pale sometimes. I don't have a tan. I'm white, so it's like it, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to pull off the no makeup look when you have like beaming lights. But yeah. off of the topic, speaking of vain people, Andrew Tate has been trending all over the news yeah he popped up out of nowhere yeah what do you think about andrew tate i mean we've seen like a few clips of him and he was on your mom's house and i feel like he's just so outspoken in like maybe the worst sense but i feel like he's he's exceptionally well versed Hmm. in what he believes in yeah and he's very articulate i think that he has like a very sharp tongue Mm -hmm. so i feel like when you're when you're that ready to have discussions with anyone about what you believe in and just ready to defend it from every possible angle, I think it's inevitable that that you garner that amount of attention, you know, especially. Excuse you. Excuse me. Especially when your opinions are very um, controversial, mm-hmm. you know, so. And he's like he's like a meninist. Is that a word? Meninist, yeah. He's a meninist. He's like, he's all about, you know. Men. He's all about men. Men regaining. Regaining their, their strength, their, their honor. Their footing, yeah. yeah. Um, restore my honor. It's been yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but what's funny is like, he'll like, he'll like say things so absurd as like, um, you know, hitting women and like, but then he also has videos where he's like, oh, if a guy ever touched one of my women, right? Because he walks around with like a <laughs> ton of girls. What color is your Bugatti? Yeah. If a, he's like, he said in a video, like if a guy puts his hand on one of my girls, like I don't care if I'm up against 10 guys, like I'm going to risk my life and like stand out against that. Right. But, but he doesn't see a problem with himself doing it. Like, is that what the case is? Because... I don't think I've ever heard him talk about hitting women, though. I feel like he said something about, well, maybe not, but maybe he, you're spreading he's definitely that's... degrading women out here, though. Degrading? I think mm. I think that he's pulling women from like this. I think that what he's combating, and I'm not a fan of the guy, like I'll just make that clear, but I think that what his attempt is, like he's trying to combat fundamentalism. He's trying to combat identity politics. He's mm. trying to combat all of these like tribalistic ways of thinking it's like oh feminism is the only way Mm -hmm. it's like he's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. hold on just because you whatever think this doesn't mean that i have so he's trying to just like re re reestablish reality 
it's like what happened to reality from like the year 2000 that we all lived in like nobody was complaining that much mm -hmm. you know it's like it's like like we're moving away from being completely civilized anymore like we're just moving into this like ideologically possessed environment so i think that that's what he's trying to combat and his methods are very egregious but it works because it gets people's attention it it um gets him these um spots on these big shows it gives him a platform to speak so he's a really smart guy and the reason I mentioned like that he might like he might give a girl a slap here and there is because I've seen like a few clips of him talking about it. Maybe it's like very jokingly. But yesterday he actually put out an Instagram post saying like, look, despite things that I've said or whatever, I'm really working on being a better man. Like he put it in those words. And he said, so therefore I'm donating a million dollars to a charity um, for women who face domestic violence. Mm. So it's like, is he overcompensating now? Because a lot of people are starting to dig up things that he's that he said. And, you know, it could get to a point where he, he could face lawsuits, you know, where they could start digging, like using that as evidence. Because anything you put out to the public and and if it's like in an ill-intended manner and then there's like deeper stuff going on behind the scenes like that will all be used as evidence right you know so it's like just like with thug young thug right things that he puts in his songs like there's obviously stuff going on in the ysl gang or whatever and now those lyrics were being used to um, prove the case right to like criminalize him even more so it's like I feel like now it's like he's trying to put an effort of like, oh, I'm donating to a charity to show you that I'm actually a very good guy and that whatever depiction or perception you have of me is just tainted by mm. things that may have been taken out of context or whatever. And so, like, I don't know. You don't think he's like overcompensating by doing that a little bit? Sure. It's just interesting. Yeah. He's a he's an interesting fellow. Yeah. Um, what I have heard about Andrew Tate is that the the reason why he's everywhere now and that you can't avoid him and that he just popped out, out of, like out of nowhere is he has his own university where he sells like online courses mm -hmm. and teaches men on like how to be men and how to uh, make money and how to be millionaires, essentially. Um, in his university, he he um, rewards people who create social media accounts of him who get engagement and grow those social media accounts. So like, let's say that you enroll to the Tate University, right? I don't even know what it's called. Um, and you are an editor. That's one of your skills. So you're going to create a TikTok fan page about Andrew Tate and you're going to create compelling and good content that will garner people's attention and garner a lot of followers. And Tate will pay you and compensate you for that growth. And so you are monetarily um, driven to kind of like get him out as much as you can. Mm. And so all of his students are doing the same thing. And so it becomes like a pyramid scheme yeah. where he pays the person below him and then he pays all the other people. And so like it's literally a pyramid scheme. And that's how and Andrew Tate came to. Huh. So he's at the top of the pyramid and the the more attention that's brought to him obviously the, the more, more money you the make. more views the more everything the right. more people who enroll into this program it's like right. he's just his pockets are being filled and so he has enough to pay to right. these people to continue 
And and people also say that Andrew Tate is a part of the Russian mafia. Really? Yeah, that he was indoctrinated along with his brother because of the fact that he owns a few casinos. And apparently he has like some tie with Russia or like something along those lines with maybe it's not Russia. It's like an exotic uh, country. But essentially he came into all this money out of nowhere. Mm. And people have to question that. Like, well, like, did he win the lotto? Did he did he win the mega millions? Like, gamble his way. Gamble his way. But even if you gamble, like, you can't gamble your way that quickly. Yeah. To a Bugatti, mm, Bugatti. which is what he says. Like, what color is your Bugatti? <laughs> um. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> next topic that I want to quickly cover because I still have three more topics that I want to quickly cover before we're done. Do you have any topics that you want to cover on your end? Yeah, I just have one conspiracy, but I'll save it for the very end. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share three more things. First one being that I've been recently watching Dragon Ball Z Super a lot. We've both been watching it, right? Yeah, I've been watching it too. And it has surprisingly a lot of practical advice that you can apply to life. And I was like blown away because as an adult watching Dragon Ball Z, like it, it's completely different than when watching it as a child. Because as a kid, all you're focused on is like the raw power, the raw dynamics that happen in front of you, right? That are being depicted. But as an adult, you realize the symbolic uh, messages you know, the um, subconscious messaging that's like sp- sprinkled throughout the whole show. And it's really, really powerful, mm-hmm. especially when it applies to like mental health and personal development. I feel like it's an amazing show for that because it showcases Goku, who's this character who does not who who does not submit to his own perceived limitations or to the limitations that society bestows upon him. So he's always breaking his ceiling. He's always growing. He's always evolving. And when everybody thinks that he's reached his limit, he surprises not only himself, but the entire world. And it's always to the benefit of everybody around him. And so right there in of itself is the reason to better yourself and and to improve your mental health, improve your spiritual health, your your, uh, physical strength, everything, your intelligence. Because improving oneself will improve the entire world. Mm. And in Dragon Ball Super specifically, it showcases that improving yourself improve like improves the entire universe. And I just thought that that was cool because he's constantly like just pushing past his perceived limitations. And it also represents Goku as the epitome of the human soul and wow. just and just the um, j- just the potential of the human spirit. Of like even if you like the the world and reality and and enemies of all shapes and sizes will try to break you down and destroy you, but you always have this like stored power within you that you can tap into and kind of like grow and prevail and prevail. Mm-hmm. What's what's super interesting is like I've always found Goku just a little cringy at times, yeah. but but. I, I feel like everything you've said just now, like watching like any cartoon, but Dragon Ball Z too, is is that you focus on like the action sequences, like you said. But then now, like the way that I see Goku and like we've kind of talked about it is that he's like this. He's almost like childlike in in like a good way. Like he has this childlike essence to him because I feel like children don't ever see their limitations either. There's no right. bound like there's like their world is boundless. 
So they're they're always like curious. They're always experimenting. They're always pushing limits. They're always um, j- just like diving into different. You know, um, what's the word? Different different children, experimentations and whatnot. Children experience the world through their limitations, right. which is interesting, and or through or or through their preconceived limitations at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like goku is is almost like a child right because like even the way he negotiates with people and the way that he you know tries tries to have fun with things even though there's like a lot on the line sometimes it's like he that that somehow helps him because it's like whenever you have like pressure and too much weight on like on you um over something i feel like it restricts you from being able to overcome it versus if you approach it in a way that's like oh i can't like like um i'm just gonna see where this goes i'm just gonna have fun with it i'm gonna you know take this lightly then you're more able to like make it like malleable and more um practical and like bring it down bring it down to like its core and see it for what it is and be able to like prevail you know and overcome it sorry i'm like tripping my words today but yeah yeah the anxiety of having to overcome something cripples your resolve of actually Mm -hmm. overcoming it yeah yeah that's interesting so what's on your next list yeah so uh two more things boxes two more things that i just want to quickly um quickly bring up all right this one is truly mind like mind-blowing like i don't understand how 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 little people have been talking about this. So if you Google Doomsday Map, the first article that's going to come up is by Forbes, published in 2017, and it showcases every single part of the planet when a tsunami happens and basically Doomsday commences. Mm. And so you'll see like um, the entire west coast of the United States is underwater, uh, right off the east coast uh shore like right off of the east coast you'll see another patch of land that just resurfaces and they even titled that patch of land as atlantis which is mind-blowing and it's just like casually like they just casually threw that in there and people like over like it just went through everybody's head like, Mm. like over everybody's head and this article essentially talks about how in 2017 Right before this article came out, an asteroid was supposed to hit our planet and it basically pat like it it skimped right on the outskirts of our planet and just like passed us by. And not many people were talking about it, like news outlets, like like not many people knew about it. And this same asteroid is said to come back in 2079, which is when they now believe it'll actually impact our planet. And so right after this asteroid skimped our planet. Forbes came out with this article showcasing these doomsday maps, right? Mm-hmm. Which basically shows what would have happened if this asteroid in 2017 had successfully hit the planet. It would have shifted our poles. Oh, really? The so, north and south poles. So both magnetic poles would have shifted, causing a huge tsunami and causing like a lot of, if not like 80% of landmass going underwater. So... To me, it was just interesting. It's like, whoa, like, what the fuck is going on here? And I don't know if you know this, but 
Bill Gates has more than 200,000 acres of, of land. land, farmland specifically. Owned by him, yeah. Owned by him. And he's constantly buying it on the hush, you know, like occasionally an article will slip out and news outlets get a hold of that information and they're like, oh, like Bill Gates, but nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And when asked about it, I think once he said that he's going to uh, develop these self-sustaining communities slash cities, which I don't know what that means, but essentially he's just trying to like guarantee his survival. Mm -hmm. So worst comes to worst, he has so many lands that no matter where the the whole country floods to, or what areas of the country's what areas of the country flood, he has land in the area that isn't flooded. Mm. And him, along with every other tech giant, tech billionaire, they're all buying up lands across the Midwest, across like uh, New Zealand, I think, is another prime um, farmland area. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting because I feel like there are vital pieces of information that we don't know as a public, but these billionaires have access to. And that's why Bill Gates is quickly and swiftly buying up as much land as he can, because when the shit hits the fan and it will then we're all screwed because like money won't matter anymore. So it's all about like land and resources and what you have. And right. so the person on this planet that has the most land and resources and is capable of promoting sustenance and is capable of, of establishing a thriving community will be the God of this post doomsday world. And it'll be Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, though. That's reminding me there's also like a climate um, climate change clock, right? That's yeah, like ticking down. Clock. There's like six more years on it or something where eventually, um, what is it? It's going to, the earth is going to increase 1.5% yeah. temperature or something. Like, I don't know what, like it's basically it's warming up. And if we don't do anything about it, then that's it. Like it's, we're done for Mm -hmm. um but even that like there there were like these um scientists who were rebelling and trying to put this word out there that this is actually detrimental like you know this six year span that we have like we need to take advantage of because once it gets to that point like it's it's, it's going right it's yeah. irreversible and so they even like chain themselves to banks and like to these um corporate facilities in order to garner attention towards their cause and they ended up getting arrested and they were arrested by like thousands of like SWAT members and mm -hmm. and cops and like they 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 just swarmed over these like four scientists that were there and it's just crazy yeah. that they have like this hidden information and i feel like anybody who's who has access to this information and tries to speak out on it will uh, face repercussions versus the ones who stay quiet about it. Mm -hmm. Just like Bill Gates, who's very sly about what yeah, he does. He he'll he'll just keep getting richer. He'll just keep getting more popular. You know, he'll just keep, you know, yeah. thriving in life. Yeah. And then these people are now going to rot in prison for God knows how long. Yeah. Yeah. And I just have one last thing, but I just have to get the book real quick. So just entertain our audience for entertainment. Five, five minutes. All right. Let me entertain you. Shall I sing a song? Speaking of the row, row, row your boat thing, if you guys Google um, like children nursery rhymes, dark or twisted, every nursery rhyme that you've heard 
like a lot of them, like London Bridge is falling down, etc. They all have like a dark and twisted meaning for it. And I feel like that's what like Neil Gaiman does in his books, too. He gives like he writes dark and twisted versions of stories like Santa Claus and the elves and the North Pole, etc. And so nursery rhymes are doing the same thing. So be careful what you're singing to your kids because you're putting out negative energy possibly, especially with like London Bridge falling down, all these other ones that you're probably singing. But yeah, welcome back, Callie. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> guys? <laughs> all right, so my last, my last thing for today is that I was reading this book. It's called Recapture the Rapture. Highly recommend it. Excuse you. Excuse me. I recommend it. Um, there was this particular part of the book that just blew my mind. And it's so simple. And it's um, I like the idea is simple and it's so obvious, but I've never noticed it. Like I've never realized this. The broader idea of how our buildings enshrine our beliefs is helpful as we consider our current crisis in meaning. We all suffer from some version of the edifice complex where the institutions that are most prominent in a given time and place also reflect our values. They tell us at a glance exactly who's in charge and what we care about the most. Back in the age of empires, pharaohs built pyramids and kings constructed castles enshrining their divine right to rule. In the medieval era, monasteries and cathedrals loomed across Europe, reflecting the power of the church. With the emergence of the nation-state in the 18th century, capitals and courthouses took center stage in urban plants and skylines. By the 20th century and the age of corporations, skyscrapers towered above everything, monuments to the barons and banks that built them. Today, Silicon Valley campuses designed by celebrity architects claim the spotlight. Power has now been harnessed in the physical world by those who invented our virtual one. So this essentially, this like this passage right here was so interesting to me because essentially what it's saying is that we always question who's in power, like all, oh, like who's they, like who runs the world, who's secretly behind, like like who's Geppetto in our current modern world. All it takes to realize who's in charge is just look around you. It's like the edifices, the the buildings, the structures always reflect the values of that time. And so if you live in New York City, for example, and you're walking down Wall Street, everything you see is a reflection of the values that we hold today and value even on a subconscious level as humans, as a society. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever uh, noticed, but if you go to like Rockefeller Center, Mm-hmm. Right where where they have the um, ice rink at. Yeah, yeah. There are statues of Lucifer and just like symbolism and just everything that's like showing the Masonic regime and what the agenda is. Like, there's literally a statue of, I don't I I don't think it's Lucifer specifically, but it's supposed to be representative of what Lucifer is across all cultures. It's the light bearer, mm. and it's basically like the 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 light bearer was like stolen from from God because it's supposed to represent knowledge and it's basically like this idea that humans can become gods by acquiring the knowledge of the gods and that God is the bad guy because he's been keeping humans away and 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 not letting them access this divine knowledge. Hmm. So that's the whole purpose of like like masonry and just all these like occult 
organizations is that they're trying to like recenter humans and recenter man as the Vitruvian man in the center of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And people even say that Vitruvian man is also symbolic of the occult because it's putting man and trying to find his placement within the cosmos without the need for God's help. Wow. If that makes sense. That's interesting. So, yeah, guys, uh, that's the book Recapture the Rapture by Jamie Wheel. And great book. Like, it has a bunch of stuff in there, dude. And you know what? That Even that little passage is interesting because, like, take the White House, for example, which is the, the center of our government, right? Mm. It's like it's this huge monument that people go on field trips and, like, people go and admire and they see the the Lincoln statue and et cetera. And it's like what what that book said, right, about how these monuments are paying a homage or or are a reflection. Right. Enshrining the people who are in power. So it's like it's just super at the end it said about like virtual world, right? Right. And so that's interesting too because think about like metaverse and stuff right yeah like exactly that that's that's crazy and think about the um new apple campus right that's like this huge like one of the biggest um tech campuses to ever be created think about amazon trying to find its headquarters think about the um google campuses where 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 every googler is like has these colorful bikes and stuff yeah so these are the biggest monuments today like these like these are the monuments for the these rulers who rule supreme by controlling our virtual world mm-hmm. so it's not just metaverse but it's also like facebook right, instagram right. everything yeah and that's what i was gonna say the the people who have the largest influence in mm-hmm. social media or yeah. in media in general are at the top of the like totem pole right now they're at the top of the hierarchy just yeah. like Elon Musk with like SpaceX and like all these other things that he's doing. Mm-hmm. But he's super popular in the media. So that translates to. Yeah. That's interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild, dude. And just the last comment before you get to your last topic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the holding company for TikTok recently bought a whole a whole brand of um, hospitals in China. Wow. Um, I think they're called ByteDance or something like that. The holding company for for TikTok that, mm-hmm. that owns TikTok, I think I think they're called ByteDance, and they just bought this whole franchise of hospitals, essentially, claiming that they want to get into the health industry. <laughs> so it just goes to show, like it's all interconnected, and so like conspiracy theorists are usually frowned upon, but you have to question these things. Like, what's a dancing app holding company? Doing, doing trying to like yeah. purchase like the health industry now and trying to get like get their little piece in that it's crazy that look the health in- industry yeah. is making a lot of money now with vaccines and stuff like i hate to talk about vaccines but now if you are eligible you can get a monkeypox vaccine so yeah, hurry now before we run out yeah, of supplies monkeypox without the k people are saying call yeah. it the freaking monkeypox and people have been lining up around the block in New York City to get the vaccine yeah. without even knowing more about the whole outbreak. That's wild. That's insane. People are fearful. Whoosh. But anyways. Just always move the microphone no, if no. you're reading. No, I, no. Like, I'm just looking over my notes before I, I forget it. But um, yeah, I have a Harry Potter conspiracy. So here I go. <laughs> Who doesn't like Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Anyways, so... Harry Potter, but let's go back to Hogwarts. 
Dobby. Hogwarts is dangerous for Harry Potter. <laughs> Who's the your master? The friends of Harry Potter. Right, <laughs> Harry. We're not writing to him. <laughs> not writing to Harry Potter. Wait a minute. Do you guys okay. like my Dobby impression? Comment below. So, really quick. I am I feel like I'm just going to read my conspiracy theory because it's easier to yeah. say it. So, ready? I have a conspiracy theory that might explain why exactly the Dursleys in Harry Potter are such horrible people towards Harry, aside from being muggles and despising magic. So, if you've watched Harry Potter, then you know that Voldemort made seven horcruxes which a dark wizard creates that contains a hidden fragment of their soul in order for them to become immortal, right? And as we know, Harry Potter is one of these horcruxes. Mm -hmm. And in the Deathly Hollows, we see how these horcruxes negatively affect their surroundings. Like when Ron, Hermione, and Harry each take turns wearing the Slytherin locket around their neck. Which ends up dividing them completely. Which ends up dividing them completely. Yeah. That was the first time that they had ever separated from each other, too. And it had an impact on them in like a very detrimental and negative way where they where they were just like highly irritable and highly um, like negative vibes, negative vibes with each other. And so the this theory states that if Harry Potter is one of those horcruxes, then that might explain why the Dursleys, who's who he's lived with for years, his entire life. May, might be the, like the horrible and awful people that we see them to be. Might because, be the reason why they're right, the horrible people. This, this might be the reason why they're as horrible and awful as they are because Harry Potter as a horcrux is negatively in affecting them and impacting them. Wow. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. That's crazy, right? That's that's a perfect example of um, it's not you, it's me. Right. But except it's like it's it's you, it's not me. You know, like that's what the Dursleys told Harry. And if you think about it, these Horcruxes are holding a negative part of a dark wizard, Voldemort, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it has like this effect on their mood and actions and behaviors. And so like what if what if um, the Dursleys, right? Like this this is like going off of the conspiracy now but what if the dursleys right we see that petunia right on petunia her sister died and then maybe she maybe she was like even heartbroken by it and not as like standoffish about it as she portrays herself to be but because they're next to harry potter all the time that that like sadness and grief starts reflecting itself as like anger and resentment, resentment and hatred. hatred right towards Harry Potter. And so and so it's it, it, it's just interesting because you can see how like his presence as a horcrux can overwhelm the people that are surrounding him. Yeah. And maybe it it affects them even more because they're muggles, so they have no no magic or abilities to kind of counteract the effects of it. The effects of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my theory. Just interesting. That's very interesting. So basically, you're saying that the Dursleys are probably great people. Mm -hmm. Great people. Love them. Yeah, maybe. Lots of my friends are Dursleys. <laughs> um, that was a horrible Trump impression. But yeah, like like that makes a lot of sense, especially. Uh, Especially with that plot twist towards the end of him being a horcrux. Yeah. 
That's a crazy one. That was a plot twist, man. I was not expecting that at yeah. the end. When I that first watched blimey, everything, Hermione. I hadn't read the last books, but but my older cousin in Brazil did, and she was all like, giddy about it, and she kept telling me like, oh, like there's a big, big, big thing that's gonna happen, uh. and then. And then it was just one of those things where she kept hyping it. And we went to like the um, the screening premiere where a night before, like at midnight and people were dressed up as Harry Potter in Brazil and stuff. And it was like a vibe. It, it was crazy. I would have loved that. Yeah. And then it was just mind blowing because like I had to see part one a certain year and then wait like a year or two for part two. And for so, Deathly Hollows, Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was crazy to, to see all of that like come together and just full circle moment. Yeah. The whole time I'm thinking like, is, is Snape a villain? Yeah. And then at the end, it's like it all just makes sense. So if you haven't watched Harry Potter, yeah, no spoilers. Like we're we're yeah, we just no spoiled the other whole than no <laughs> other than that one thing. Right. But like there's yeah, a the, lot more that you know comes yeah. at the end of harry potter yeah big spoilers and and honestly like if you haven't watched harry potter until now like hey no 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 but <laughs> but i'm saying like the spoiler rule i think is thrown out the window because they've already done like a 10-year reunion thing i think even yeah it's like you're late to the party like you got to get your I, harry potter game on yeah i just watched it last year all of them right so and i'm reading the book so i'm yeah. a fan now i'm a fan yeah i'm a big fan no i really am i love it so much all right so anything else that's all for me all right, guys. So with that being said, um, thank you again for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, thanks for sharing this episode. Uh, if you've been sharing it, if you've been helping get the good word of Mentally Gone out into the universe, uh, thank you so much. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast on the listening platform that you're currently using. And let me guess, you have to pee. Yes, every guys, every time I drink like even half of my yeah. bottle at the very right at the end of the podcast. And it's always while I'm closing my, out. My bladder feels it. It's like yeah. it's ready to go. Anyways, I'm I'm gonna take my <laughs> sweet time with this one then. Um but with that being said, guys, uh, don't forget that you can call us. We didn't do voicemails today because the episode ended up being a little bit longer than usual. But you can call us at, do you know the number memorized? Two, 201. Uh, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Eight something, something, uh, eight, eight something. <laughs> Six, eight something. You can call us at 201-890-2907. That's 201-890-2907. And also, you guys can join our Discord server, Mentally Gone Studio Discord server. Um, you can easily go to our TikTok page, our Instagram page, click on the link tree, and it'll take you directly to Discord. Yep. And we're trying to build a community on there where we can discuss and just chat with you guys throughout the days and throughout the weeks more often and just pick each other's brain have a little banter with each other a little banter so with all of that being said thanks again and don't forget that it's never wrong to be mentally gone peace, peace out. to the world